Support for Oyster World Radio comes from you. Our listeners, if you would like to support the show, visit the link in the show description or visit patreon.com forward slash Oyster World Radio. For only $5 a month, you get all of the behind the scenes coverage on how these random interviews materialize, plus travel tips. So don't miss out and support the show today. More support means meeting more people that you would normally never meet, and you get to learn the ins and outs of everywhere I go. Become a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Oyster World Radio and support the show today. Welcome to Oyster World. Radio. Hello, Oysters, and welcome to another episode of Oyster World Radio, the podcast where we broaden our perspectives by listening to the stories of people from all over the globe. I'm Nathan Lieberman, and in this episode, we bring on the no countryman, Kadarnath. Now, Kadar and I have a surprising amount in common. Kadar studied mechanical engineering just like me, got a good job out of school, worked hard at that job, but ultimately realized that this work wasn't for him. He loved the company he worked for and was proud to work there, but it wasn't his. It wasn't his dream. It was that subtle push that allowed him to finally step out of his current situation, take his motorbike, and just leave. Now, this time he just went for a couple of weeks, but now he's still riding. It still amazes me that one small, seemingly insignificant decision can impact your life so drastically. After that ride, now he has taken that motorbike across multiple continents for thousands of kilometers and even wrote a book which will be in the show description. So how did this guy from South India ride his motorbike through Europe, Asia, Australia, you name it, that he went there? Well, you're going to have to stay tuned to find out. So here's my conversation with the no countryman, Kadarnath. So Kadar, welcome to Oyster World Radio. We're really excited to have you on. Luckily, we just randomly met in this random hostel in the middle of Sydney, Australia. Yeah. Which <laughs> has, you know, its charms. <laughs> Would you say that? Yeah. Would you say this hostel has its charms? It's charms, yeah. Drunk people, angsters. <laughs> <laughs> Drunk people, cockroaches as pets. Yeah, for, for, for Sydney, you know, um, I was expecting uh, something different. Me but too. then uh, this is the reality. <laughs> yeah, this is the reality. You know, I because mean, I was in hostels down in uh, Southeast Asia, which were like much more nice. clean and nice and oh sophisticated. Yes. And cheaper. And about a third of the price, <laughs> if not a yeah. quarter of the price. Yeah, and, and, the, and the hospitality is, like, amazing. Yes. Like, there is a big difference. I mean, I realized that, well, a little bit too late, that Australia backpacking, it's well-developed, but very pricey. You pay for the idea of Australian backpacking yeah. down the East Coast. Yeah. And it's yeah. a lot of it's, younger it's more than, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of younger people. I, I just realized that it's it's it's, it's more of a, a to do thing than to you know gain experience. That's what I, I see from the young people. You know, yeah. okay, it's a to do thing. Uh, it is. It yeah. is the. I, I like to think of it as the basic package. If yeah. you want to go somewhere yeah. and backpack, yeah. Australia is the yeah. first thing to check off. If yeah. you're 18 and 18. you have a year in between yeah. high school and yeah. college or yeah. whatever you need to do, <laughs> it's always to and go to Australia. And most of them, you know, I don't know, the young people come here, work here. Yeah, that's good. But then um, the thing which I, which is not so comfortable for me is like, you know, the... Uh, people getting into too much of uh, 
alcoholism and, and yeah. drugs. Yeah, because it's yeah. it's weird too. Because well, when you're that age, it's pretty much what you're supposed to do. It's what it, yeah, that's I that's guess at least in our culture is a step. Yeah, that's you're the thing. That's the thing. People people have this uh, pattern. Okay, eighteen to twenty, do this, and twenty to twenty-five, do this, thirty-five to thirty, do this. So okay, who who gave you this pattern? Well, it's the you just. Or it like, just you know, is. It yeah, is. No you, one gives it to you. Yeah, it's you just, just are you like live. you know, uh, copying it, or you just are imbibing it from your, uh, from your, you know, uh, just uh, your parents. Yeah, and your parents or friends and, and your your peers or whatever. TV but but then yeah, but then but then what's surprising is we have evolved so much that you don't have the same have to follow the same pattern. You know, you can strike a fine balance between all of these things. Yeah, you can still drink alcohol. You can still enjoy you can still work you can do all of these things striking a fine balance with doing all these things yeah and you know and people think this shots and yeah. being uncomfortable every yeah. once in a while because you'll be okay you'll be okay in the in about a hundred years ago maybe yeah. 200 years ago we couldn't yeah. do that yeah if we took a horse and rode back into the outback we'd yeah. be dead we would be dead yeah. you don't have to worry about that anymore yeah. so we can take shots like <laughs> no other before yeah and you know what it's really funny too because we we literally just met what like 15 20 minutes ago yeah. and we have a ton of parallels in our lives and yeah. this isn't the first time this has happened but this is definitely the clearest point because yeah. we were both 7 to 8 months into our travels yeah. at least this current trip yeah we were both mechanical engineers before we left <laughs> you from south yeah. south india there's this thing about mechanical engineers in india we are known as the badass people yeah <laughs> In the whole, the, in the, the whole college, yeah, in the whole college, we are known as badass people. They call it, they call, they have this particular name called Royal Mech. Yeah, yeah, Royal Mech. Royal I Mech. like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. I'm gonna start calling myself that when I go back. Yeah, in whole of India, this is the trend. If you say any engineering college, you go and you say mechanical engineer. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, you're a Royal Mech. You're Royal Mech, and you know there's this particular kind of uh, unity. Yeah, and that okay, and, and there are mostly guys in the in the in this trade. Like in India, there are very few girls who get into mechanical engineering. I know, which is sad, and I hope it changes. I know it's changing. It's it's changing, in the US but, slowly, but yeah, but, but not because the moment they see like okay, mechanical engineering, they see they 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 presume that it's to do with machines and hard work and stuff. It's, it's yeah. not like that. There's, no, not at all. We sit at desks yeah. and there's do a lot paperwork of, all day. <laughs> In reality, we just write reports on nothing. <laughs> it's true. Exactly. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's true. That's why you're laughing. Yeah, there's a lot of things to do with mechanical engineering, and uh, yeah, people don't know that. So in my class, we had like hardly like two or three girls in, in yeah. the whole university, like mechanical engineering, maybe ten girls. Yeah, yeah, in the whole major. <laughs> that does sound familiar. There was those ten yeah. girls that just stuck out because it's a sea of none. <laughs> and just the ten girls like up front. It's yeah. um, hopefully that changes soon. Yeah. But I think the most interesting part is here are two mechanical engineers that were, you know, from different the parts US, of the world, from different parts of the world, and you know, engineering is considered like is to be a niche profession. Yeah, yeah to get a into good and, position. And, yeah, and and whenever I say like in in my travels and people ask me like usually from the west, like some elderly people. Yeah, I'm traveling. How long you're traveling? I'm traveling for this. Oh, what do you used to do? The moment I say I was a mechanical engineer, the respect, like, you know, changes and the, and the tone changes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> you were a mechanical engineer. In you mechan- still decide to leave. <laughs> Which I think is the most interesting interesting part is because we're both here yeah. and we both left. Yeah. 
So the, the listeners know my story. We got to figure out your story. How did you get here to Sydney, Australia? Um, How did we cross paths from all the way across the world? And I think we need to start back, way back to, to India. To India, okay. So when you were first growing up. <laughs> so you are from, and I'm going to try to get this right. I don't know why. Humpy, Humpy. yeah. Or before that even, the Renigunta. Renigunta, that's where I was like my, my childhood, spent most of my childhood. It's a small town close to uh, this uh, very famous uh, temple called Tirupati. Okay. Uh, he's the second richest guard after, uh, after, after, the, after the Pope. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of money comes in from devotees and uh, people. So I just live 10 kilometers from this place. Yeah. So what, what was it like growing up in a small town in India? Can you paint a picture of what it looks like? Or is there any other comparison that you can make to... I could actually make a comparison to many of the European countries where, where I traveled. Yeah. Like the small towns where I traveled. It's pretty much the same thing. Like the children are playing on the streets. Running around in the streets. Yeah, running and... around. Uh, but the only the only change is like in India we have uh, we have the dogs and uh, cows and cattle and everything. In Europe that's minus. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's they are all in this uh, cattle fields and stuff. But in India you have them everywhere. And um, the roads are like uh, pretty small and there's no much traffic and small shops. Everything closes by like seven or eight p.m. Yeah. So it's just a typical small town. Yeah. Typical small what, town. What did you yeah. like to do? So what was you? See, me and my friends, we would yeah. go out into the woods and throw dirt at each other when I was growing <laughs> yeah. up and ride bikes in the trees okay. and yeah. stuff. So what was your yeah, favorite I, hobby? I, I grew up with my dog. You know, we, the, the, the interesting thing is we were born on the same day. Really? Yeah. Okay. We were born on the same day and he was my so buddy. basically twins. Yeah. He was my buddy and uh, when, when, it's, it's always him. Yeah. Me and uh, my dog and... Uh, uh, my sister, yeah, later my sister came in, like, uh, she's like three years younger to me. Uh, yeah, I always used to fight with my sister for the bicycle and stuff. And Normal <coughs> Yeah, in the colony where I grew up, like, I was the only guy and everyone else were girls. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I had an older sister, so... I know how that feels. <laughs> so I always was, you know, you know, if in the evening, if I have to like, you know, play some games, it was always with the girls. Yeah. Yeah. Until like, you know, when I started going to school, even when I started going to school, it was all like, you know, girls in the colony and stuff. So what games did you play? What was your favorite yeah, one to play? It's like, uh, uh, what is this? The uh, thief and the police, you know this? Like, you know, mm -mm, the, no. cop and the cop and the thief. Oh, the cop and the thief. Cop and yeah. thief. Like, you know, you need to catch them. I think we call them cops and robbers. So we yeah. have the same game. <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I used to run and all the girls used to run behind me to catch me. <laughs> <laughs> were you always a thief? You were always a thief and everyone yeah, tried to tackle thief, you pretty yeah. much? <laughs> and there were like three, four girls, you know, trying to, you know, catch me and uh, they will grab me and then, yeah, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a fun job. I remember one of my favorite games was very similar. We called it uh, Bloody Mary, where okay. one person was it, it was yeah. probably, would probably be you in this situation would go out and hide in pitch black. So it's like pitch black outside, oh, okay. no lights. Someone go hide out in the woods yeah. and the other people just have to wander around the woods trying and to find them. them. Yeah, we, we did, we did, we had the same <laughs> game, yeah. Yeah? When we played in the morning and stuff, but it was in a colony. 
Yeah. So we used to hide in the buildings and uh, behind the trees and whatever we found, like you know, wherever we find some hiding place. Yeah. Yeah. And wasn't it so scary? You know, it's just your friend. Yeah. Right. There's nothing scary. <laughs> But you don't know where he is, and so you're just like looking around every corner. Yeah. One time, my friend hid in a tree and then jumped down on somebody. <laughs> like just tackled yeah, it. Those days are uh, fun, yeah. So it was. So you basically, you know, small town, childhood, growing up, playing games, yeah. normal life. And I know, like a lot of people don't realize this, but yeah. this happens all over yeah. the world. Yeah. It's very similar. We have the same games. Yeah, the same games. Yeah. So you you lived in this small town for a while, and then at the age of fourteen, this yeah, is when they, you moved to Hempi. Yeah, we we moved to Hampi. So where uh, exactly is Hampi? Hampi is in South. Hampi is in South. It's in Karnataka. Okay. Hampi is a very uh, historical place. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Center. Oh, okay. Uh, it's something like if you've been to Cambodia, it's something uh, like Siem Reap. Yeah. A little bigger yeah. than Siem Reap because the whole of Hampi is like. Ruins and boulders and uh, temples. Awesome. Yeah. If you go to this um, big mountain and have a look from the top, you feel like you're back in the time. Yeah. Yeah. There's like nothing except the tarmac and some new buildings. Uh, there is nothing to relate to the modern world. Really. Yeah. Wow, so it's just a beautiful place. Yeah, there's the borders and, and yeah, and architectures and stuff. Like you see that. Oh, where am I? I'm really like in the past, like three thousand years back in yeah. the past. <laughs> and so you walk into this new town. What were you thinking? Have you been there before? The moon? No, you know, I, I didn't go to these ruins until like I was. I spent like four or five years because as soon as we moved in school and college and a lot of things, yeah. never had a chance to go there. But Once I got into my job, that's when, like you know, I got some free time and stuff. Okay, now it's the time to explore my own town. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because you don't really have the choice I, when you're when you're younger. It's just know. like uh, it's just like thirty kilometers, you know. Yeah. From from my job place or workplace or from my whatever, and I never went there. I, I regretted so much, but then I had no choice because yeah, you have to study. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's everywhere everywhere uh, around the world. Like if you want to get to a professional. Uh, education. If you want to get a profit, you know, yeah. get into a professional course, uh, you need to work your ass off. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And, <laughs> and now thinking back, I rarely left my university either because we had everything that we needed there for yeah. one. Yeah. Two, it was really hard because yeah. we were studying, but also we were broke, so yeah. we didn't we didn't have cars. We didn't we'd have to walk yeah, the ten yeah, kilometers. Yeah, no, yeah, I had back. I had just a bicycle. So yeah, yeah, and ten kilometers on a bike there and back doesn't sound so good when you have a ton of studying to do. Yeah. yeah. So you stayed in Hempi for, for college, and then you stayed there for your job afterwards. Yeah. And this is where I think I'm really interested in your story because I was in a similar situation where I stayed in the same yeah. town after I graduated, yeah. and then all of a sudden it just didn't. It just lot lost its luster. You know, I've been there for so long. I got my engineering degree. I did everything that I was supposed to do, and mm -hmm. then I started to travel a little bit more. And it was the same for you. All leading up to this big trip that we'll talk in a second yeah. on your motorcycle, yeah. but was was going into your city and exploring your city something that started building up? I would or, say I would say yes. Yeah. How did you yeah. get the travel bug, or when did that start to? So uh, the thing is, like you know, all my life, you know, from childhood to adulthood and college life, always I've been taught. And I've been groomed 
to be worthy to work for someone yeah be you know capable or uh, be uh, intelligent or be whatever smart to work for someone to get into that big job like i was thrown into this dreams and uh, you know uh, this uh, concept of uh, the modern work in the industries and industrialization and modernization google and people yeah. were talking about oh yeah uh, 10 digit salary packages i was literally thrown into that yeah and i was there for a while thinking that this is life yeah getting a five digit salary package or whatever that is you know getting into this dream company like everyone said this is my dream company i said wow what's my dream company is a dream company something which pays you a lot of money i was really confused but then i i i i, I stuck to the basics i'm a mechanical engineer yeah i i want to work which i studied something so i think i was lucky to get into this uh, steel industry jsw it's called jsw steel limited yeah it's a big steel company yeah it's a big steel company uh, it's a, a <coughs> um, big competitor to tatas and uh, mithil yeah yeah and uh, yeah it's doing it, it so you got a good job too yeah, so yeah I, i got a good job and uh, this perception of a dream company or at least a good job as being a status point you achieved it yeah you but got there. yeah but but jsw still limited you know this company taught me a lot actually uh i think steel industry i think it teaches you a lot yeah it's a, not only a tough industry yeah. to be in it's very demanding too yeah was it did it because you you worked for 11 years out of school so this was a slow grind yeah. to yeah. to get to where you are now which is yeah. completely yeah. in a completely opposite direction yeah because uh, all all this time you know as i said i was always groomed to you know work for someone but this guy changed my attitude he is the chairman and managing director of a company his name is uh, sajin jindal he was a mechanical engineer yeah yeah he studied uh, uh, from bangalore and then uh, he came out and he said i want to build a steel company and then nobody backed him up and then in uh, this is right out of school too he just yeah he's young do it yeah he was young like me but he took this decision somehow this guy had uh, you know his his father who was into a small steel business in 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 the north of india but it was not so big it was small right but you know not everyone who has a you know industrial background goes up and says that i want to put up a steel and his idea was rejected by everyone Every. everyone everyone and he said i'm going to put a steel plant in hampi and people said people laughed at him and said it's going to be a loss yeah, a big luck. loss yeah there's nothing in hampi why would you put something in hampi there's no water there's nothing there's no iron ore and so, okay there's some iron ore but there's no water and it's like barren land and everything you know but he said no i'm going to put it and he did and, and that's the company you worked at yeah and he did it and um, so so what did this instill in you what did this story break what so barriers this, did it break down so so this this guy who is like me and it was 
in the past, like, you know, he did it uh, 20 years before, like, of course, he's quite elder to me. Yeah. But back in the days, when he could do it, when there was nothing in that place, such a barren land. Yeah. And when this, that's why he, he's my inspiration. You know? So basically, you're, yeah. if he can build that in I a could, place that seems... I could build barren. something for me. Yeah. And then... And that's, did you carry that for a long time? I carried that for a long time because I, I was just watching him growing, watching him expanding, watching him, you know? Yeah. At, at point, you know, in, in the, you remember the recession of 2008? Yeah. Bad everywhere. Everywhere bad. But this guy came up to us and said, nobody's going to be fired. Wow. So he's just taking Nobody's going employees. to be fired. Everyone will get, and we all got the salary on the date. When so we, cool. Yeah, like we we get our salary every month by the month end, like thirtieth or thirty first. We got salary in our accounts on that date. For, so he, he really takes the, care of his employees. It seems for, just like he was a class act and a great inspiration for you because yeah. there there isn't very many good influences out there that tell you that can. I think in America we have this American dream, but we don't. No one really acts on it yeah. in certain ways. But you had living proof in front of you. I had a living proof every day. So how did that translate into your travels? Did you? Okay, so <laughs> I, I really thought like you know I would be a technocrat or you know build something or you know something like yeah. that. Yeah. So I, I never knew what it is, but I I always knew I'm gonna do something like him. Like, yeah. You know, be for myself. I can definitely understand that. I was in the same place. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> this is very inspiring because when everything was shut and he came down and he kept up his promise and he transferred some of the employees to the other sister concerns so that no, nobody is losing their jobs. Yeah. And, and he gave salary to everyone on time. And then he said, this is nothing. We will get past it. And we didn't stop the production. We kept producing and stocking up things. Yeah. And then... When the market hit back, we sold everything. And then it all came rushing back. Yeah, all came rushing back. So even, it, I guess it was a lesson in setbacks too. Yeah. If something comes your way, you can get through it. You don't have to I was to like, just... the, whole, the whole company, everybody was like thinking, we're going to go home, what's going to happen? You know, everybody was like this, you know? Yeah. There's no sales, there's no money, but this guy said, don't worry. We got this. We can do it. Yeah. Don't worry. You do what you're supposed to do. I'll take care of the rest. And he did it. So <laughs> it seems like you really love this company too, or you really I, did. I, I really love this company. I really loved working with them because every day was a learning and I was given a lot of freedom. So what, what made you leave? <laughs> it sounds like you really love this place. I... There's a point. There's a point. I, I always knew this point would come sooner or later. Yeah. So the point was at the end of the day, I'm working for this guy, this guy, this man's vision dream inspirations whatever it is it is his vision his dream yeah uh, his idea it, it, it's, it's not mine and even if you loved it yeah it's, it's there's not, a at fundamental the the day, principle yeah at the end of the day it's not mine yeah if you want to do it this way which is not in line with his vision and with his dreams no it's not gonna sorry. work. sorry yeah no, sorry it's you know, not your dream that it's you're not building. your dream it's, it's, it's mine it had to be this way so how did that, was that a, probably a, a realization early on and then you said there was a point and the point was coming. So you were thinking about it yeah, for yeah. at I was least think, yeah, a little I, bit. Yeah, I was thinking about it for a little bit, but then I, I really wanted to 
gain that uh, you know experience to deal with things how how <coughs> okay so take me to the moment when you were leaving so, so this was a long time okay, coming so 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 i had this uh, project which was like okay okay we like me it was just like me my dream project and this one guy backing me up my boss like yeah, that yeah. stuff and finally it was a very hard work to convince people because people were so used to the excel files and they were so used to not expose their data because they said this is my data mm-hmm. i don't want to expose it it was yeah. a very hard work to get into to bring this change management we got it we got the platform we built the system and we got the data and everything it was working fine and everything but there were some discipline issues and stuff then finally said okay it's too much like you know, okay i need a break and you just like the, the i said i need a break and i said i need a break like 15 days or something that i just want to go out from that just i just said this i want to go out and you know then i took I my motorbike i need something yeah some because you know it it, it was a lot for me yeah yeah at that young age you know dealing with a lot it's a lot of for anybody it's a lot for anything <laughs> that's a big not only a big project yeah. but it seems like this dream projects it, it took it out of you yeah and to keep going after that Yeah. No, I don't. You're right. Everyone needs a break. Yeah, that. everyone needs a break. So So you took your motorbike. I took my went. motorbike and I didn't even have a plan. I didn't even have a plan. I just stayed like two weeks in the office. Was this pretty quick then? You're just like, I'm Yeah, I'm I, out and I just Yeah, yeah, I just like put some bag and stuff. It was like very very immature planning, immature packing. Yeah, my first bike ride like, you know, I didn't even knew that there was like this bungee cords to strap your luggage. Yeah. I just used some nylon ropes to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nylon ropes like, you know, just wrapped around your bike so they just hang on <laughs> yes, for dear life and <laughs> hope they stay on. Yeah, so back then like, you know, my my sister like she was uh, working in Pune yeah. in Maharashtra in the west. Okay. The younger sister, so I said, okay, maybe I'll visit her. So I took my bike like reached up to Maharashtra and spent some time she asked me like what do you really want to do I don't think so you came to meet me yeah <laughs> she said yeah I'm going to go up north a little bit and I rode 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 and then I went to Jammu Kashmir Lai Ladakh and the highest motorable road in the world and you just kept going kept going you yeah I went to Kardungla and everywhere I just went everywhere I said okay Can I go still further? I said no. This is China border. You can't go further. <laughs> <laughs> so you got all the way to the border and said, "Hey, wait! Why do Why do I need to stop?" Yeah, said, no, you can't go further. This is like China and this, this, this. You can't go further, man. Like, okay, so okay. Was this yeah. your first major trip? First, too? yeah, first. Was this your first trip? Yeah, first trip, trip. Yeah. And yeah. you just kept going. Just kept going, like with nothing actually. What did, What did yeah. that do to your perception? I met a lot of people. I was sleeping everywhere, and then Jammu Kashmir, which was, uh, it is like a, you know, city, like a state, yeah. where there's conflict, constant conflict with the Pakistan and stuff. Yeah. But people really took good care of me. The random people coming and helping me, and the, and this guy came up to me and said, hey, "Where are you going? You look like you're not from here." Yeah, I'm from the south. You're by yourself, yeah. Okay. Do you have accommodation? No, I don't have. I figure out. I said, "Oh, there's nothing to figure out there." <laughs> yeah. There's practically nothing up there. You'll freeze to death. And yeah. then he took me to the uh, tourism um, ministry. And then he wrote a letter and he asked like some okay, he's from and then they put a seal and everything. He said, "Okay, show this letter where we go 
and they will give you some thoughts, sort of accommodation. <laughs> what? So I just showed just out. Yeah, I just went and showed this letter and they put me in. That's amazing. So people were rallying to help you. Yeah. They saw what you were doing. And, and, and like, it was Whoa. in Kargil. It was in Kargil uh, where the war took place and everything. Yeah. I went there and showed, showed, showed this letter. He said, oh, pretty much everything is full because we just had a minister flew in. The yeah. minister flew out, but all these bodyguards and his security is still here. And he you know, converted his office into a bedroom. And gave he converted his office into a bedroom just to help you out. And gave the keys and everything to me. Okay, I'm not here. When you're leaving, just leave the keys at the in the room and then we're fine. So you went on this magical journey where you saw a side of life that you never really saw before. You only heard uh, about these places. Yeah, and then this guy, I met this eight-year-old guy in, in the in the central India. He's eight years old. He was you know, rowing a boat. I was pretty alone. I said, uh, can you have dinner with me? He said, yeah. And then we had dinner and I asked him, so what do you do? And he said, I row a boat in the river. It was the Namuda River. Yeah. Well, he go to school and then uh, get some education. And yeah, you could be like me, see? Yeah. Buy a bike and go around and, you know. He said, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. Eight years old guy, man. I said, why? I know to, he said, I know to count. I know to speak. And I know to row my boat. That's all I need. Wow. So that's a very powerful message. That's all a very I need. important part of your life. It's like, this is all I need. What do you want to be in future? You want to just row your boat all your life? He said, I want to be a rescue swimmer. Wow. Why? He said, when I was five years old, I was sitting by the bank of the river and there was this boat full of people and they were drowning. I couldn't do nothing. Wow. Everybody drowned and everybody was dead. So he wanted to have almost a redemption for that. Yeah. So he said, this is my life. This river is my life. I'm uh, a boat. And then I want to be a rescue swimmer. That's it. It is pretty amazing, too, how people find happiness, especially... In India, it's like... Uh, it's almost like an anthem. Like, if you speak to, like, uh, ten people, eight of them will say, okay, go to school and get this education, you know, take this job and blah, blah, blah. Wherein I find this genius... Eight year old. Yeah, that's rowing a boat <laughs> and wants to be a rescue swimmer. And who knows everything pretty much about his life and what to do in his life. Yeah. And he has seen more people than me because he's in a touristic spot. He's been seeing foreigners and people and everybody. Yeah. Day in and day out. He knows what's life on the other side like. He's seen rich people, he's seen poor people, but he sticks to his uh, choices. Yeah. And he has exactly what he needs. He has exactly what he needs. So what what did that change in you when you went back? So that's the point when I realized that life is very simple. We make it complicated. It's we. <laughs> I love it. That's very well said and very it's, true. Yeah, it's we who make it complicated. Yeah. Every moment, every day, every hour, we make it complicated. It's we who have to decide how it should be. Yeah. I, I really, I really agree with that yeah. a lot because there's a lot of unnecessary yeah. in the world and yeah. self-imposed restrictions yeah. and regulations that aren't really yeah. true. Yeah. So when I went back, my perceptions have already changed about the work, about the attitude and everything. So when I saw something is not happening and it's not happening the way it, it should be, 
So I bought in a new, very new perception. Yeah. Which people didn't like very much. I'm sure you got a lot <laughs> of backlash from that. I, I'm sure you did because it's not normal. It's not what they've been told. It's not what they've been taught. It's not what people do. Yeah. So what? That's what was that I, process like? That was really tough because uh, I got into uh, altercations and arguments with my subordinates and uh, my boss. Yeah. And everyone. Just everyone. It was almost a fight. Yeah. Because uh, it, it was no more. Like, it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. Nothing makes sense anymore. Or because, everything that yeah, we thought made sense. Yeah, because you are just beating around the bush. Okay, this has to be done. And, and this is not to be done by me. This is supposed to be done by someone else. And why aren't we just... Why are you know? we doing it? Yeah. And what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. So now everything got turned upside down. <laughs> Basically everything that because people you wanted are, to do, yeah, people wanted are, to do, people, got turned people upside down. People are just in this kind of uh, uh, arrangement, you know? Yeah. They just want to be safe. They just want to play safe. They just want to be good with everyone. Yeah. Play safe. So now you're in this. <laughs> yeah. So, I couldn't, I couldn't like no more maintain that, you know, corporate... Uh, decorum or whatever you say you know just to do things because it has to be done no why there was why the why was there before also but now the why was very different and now now you're just this this guy that's fighting the system and getting all this backlash (laughs) and, and nothing makes sense anymore and now you're just in this gray area of all confusion how quickly did you make the decision to go after was okay, it so long? did you struggle with the decision? No, that's where this uh, guy comes in. You know, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty interesting. So I was at this bar, yeah, um, with some friends, and then uh, they introduced me to this guy. He's from the corporate communication from Mumbai. Mumbai is the head office. Yeah. Okay. So this guy, we just talking about some office stuff again, and then uh, I was asked, like, you know, I said, oh, I don't know. I'm not aware of that. I just came back from a long trip. Yeah. A long trip, oh, where did you go? It's uh, the corporate communication guy. Where did you go? I said I went uh, around with my motorbike up north and came back. What? What? Uh, <laughs> did you put your bike in the train and then go? No, why would I do that? I went all the way from here to yeah, Jammu Kashmir, Laila Dark, and Kardungla and came back. Mm. All by yourself? Yeah. Oh my god. That's crazy. That's crazy. Give you a story. Give me your story. I want to put it in the corporate magazine. I said, brother, I'm already in a big mess. <laughs> People are already don't, upset about it. Yeah, don't, don't make my life this. more horrible, okay? I'm good now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my story. Just like, you know, be with it. And then I, I want to like, you know, make a peace now. Yeah. Make yeah. peace. And then, yeah, only a few people know about it. I don't want like everybody in the company know about it. And, and they said no. <laughs> I we said no. I said no. He said he said no. No way. It's 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 an incredible story. You need to. I said everybody can. Anybody can do it. Yeah. He said I don't have the balls. He said brother, I don't have the balls to do it. What you did, it's not a it's not a joke. I can't imagine going to these places by myself. Yeah. And you went there all by yourself on a motorbike. And you're like ah no problem, but yeah. it is. It's a big deal. For yeah. Other where did you sleep? He asked me where did you sleep. I slept everywhere on the Dabas roadside, and nothing happened to you. No, nobody stole things from you. No, nobody robbed you. No, nobody hurt you. No. Oh man, I want your story. Yeah. 
I said, no way, no. <laughs> it's amazing because that is a, it's a true reaction, especially for people that don't ever think of that. Or it's so against what we're taught and told to do that yeah. the world is this big and dangerous place. Yeah. You need to be staying in your zone. Yeah. You can't reach too far out of your circle because your hand will get bit off when yeah. it's not true. Yeah, it's just true. Yeah, and then he said, in the, I, I'm sure he said, I'm sure, in this company, out of this. Um, like every day, some, yeah, we have some five thousand employees, and then all over it's like I don't think so. Like among these five thousand people, like you know, there's very few handful. Maybe uh, maybe could, you, yeah, <laughs> maybe just you who could do that. I don't know any of my friends. I've been working in this company for a while. I don't know anyone who could do that. Or I can't do that. He can't do it. Yeah, among ourselves, like you know, okay, no, in this bar, I don't think so. Anyone, yeah. I don't think so in this company, anyone. Yeah. I don't know of anyone who did Which is so like weird this. probably for you because you're like, I did it. And wasn't that hard? It wasn't you know? that hard, and yeah. I just kind of go. I, just, yeah, I, if I just, wrecked my luggage and yeah. my ropes <laughs> in the back of my motorbike. I didn't know what I was doing, but yeah. I'm here. It's okay. If you're just going to ride your motorbike, you can go. Yeah. I said, no, I want your story. Said, okay. He said, it's not about you. Look, if you bring out the story, it's going to inspire a lot of people, you know. A lot yeah. of people are, you know, struggling. A lot of people have this attitude and ha have this perception about our own country. Yeah. Wherein you went everywhere and then you have these amazing stories and good experiences. We need to bring it out to say good things about our own country. That made sense. So, okay. The magazine came, in, came out after a few months yeah. and that's when a lot of things changed. Like what? Like what changed? People, I, I never knew people read it, and then I suddenly became kind of a celebrity almost, probably. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like you know, people started like looking up to me. Yeah. When they read the last sentences, like crossing Pakistan, Iran, they almost laughed. Many people laughed, and many people said like, "This guy is stupid. Yeah. Nobody can cross borders on a motorbike. Is he stupid?" And sure enough, a lot of like you know, a lot of yeah comments here and going. I didn't care. So. so, within six months, I was like uh, preparing to go on this. I made a proposal and went up to my boss, like the CEO, said, "Cross this way, I want to do." He didn't give me an interview. He, he just said to his peer that this guy is gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> so here you are. And then after, after all that, yeah, after like Sydney. two two weeks, uh, I get a call from the HR. And then the HR calls me, the HR head yeah. calls me and says, Oh man, you're so lucky. It's like, what happened? The CEO has approved your request, man. So they approved four months of paid holidays to go on this road trip across. Wow, that's cool. I said, Wow, that's fine. Yeah, so you stepped out. I stepped out and, and then. And people responded. And then, yeah, and then I went to this Pakistan embassy. Uh, they wouldn't give me the visa. That was uh, really disappointing. But I said, fuck, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you are a little bit crazy, aren't you? <laughs> then I went to the Iranian embassy. They said, like, you know, oh, okay, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll give the visa. And, they give it. and then now the thing is how to get through Pakistan. Right. So I flew my bike to Tehran in an airplane. Yeah. Yeah, that cost some money, but then, yeah, I wanted to do it. I did it. <clears throat> so I went to Iran, Turkey, uh, all the way to Europe. Yeah, Germany, yeah, everywhere, like, you know, 18,000 kilometers, six months, came back home. 
when I did this thing and came back home and then to the same company again, people were like, oh my God, this guy is like, <laughs> he, he said what he wants to do in a, in a, in a written statement, published it in a magazine yeah. and fucking did it. Yeah. How many people can do that? Not very many. <laughs> like Or write what everyone, you want to do, write but... what you want to do and then put it out in public and then go and do it and come yeah. back. Yeah, I, it's funny though, because I think what you said, I think everyone can do it, but no one does it. No yeah. one has, it's all the fear that stops them. Yeah. Okay, so after all of that, you're the crazy guy. And so, you did it. Yeah. Finally, you're sitting here in Sydney. This is after the big Europe trip. You're out on another huge major route. Yeah. You also have two books with a third on the way. Yeah. You've ridden your motorcycle for an I don't even want to count all the kilometers <laughs> all around the world. What would you say to someone that's in your position? Maybe something sparked in them, some kind of dream pursuit yeah. that they want to go I, and do. Yeah, I get a lot of emails. What would you, what would, what would you say? Yeah. What would you say to someone that maybe all that's in front of is the fear? I get many emails. The first question is, how much does it cost? heard from so many people the first thing which strikes them always and always the first thing which strikes them is the money which is part of the fear which is part of the which is a big part of the fear and I always tell him don't look at the money I never looked at the money I just looked at what I want to do I just looked at this crazy dream I just looked at this crazy route I'm going to take I just looked at all these things I just imagined myself being with my motorbike crossing borders doing all these crazy things And the money came after me. That's what I say, but people don't believe it. I say, please believe it. Don't go after the money, but they don't listen to me. I get, even yesterday I got an email from a from an Indian guy telling, he was really pissed off because I didn't say how much it costs. I said, every information is on my YouTube channel. If you are patient, you can go through the videos. There's all the information, but I'm telling you, it's not about the money. He got pissed off. I don't know if really they want to do it, if, if it's really their passion, if really, if, it, if you're passionate about it, you just look at what you're doing and then you will eventually figure out. Yeah, I, I agree with that because it was exactly the same for me. I think a lot of people are, are falsely drawn into other dreams, yeah. which is part of the, the culture, making money and being, being rich, I think is also a false dream. Yeah. People really yeah. fall into that. Yeah. And You know, it, it, once you have, once you find it, and if you look hard enough and in enough places, you will find it. Yeah. And then you start imagining where you are and yeah. being and being on that <laughs> motorbike yeah. and traveling across the world. I had tons of problems. I have tons of problems crossing borders. They wouldn't let me into Vietnam. They wouldn't let me into Cambodia. And when I was crossing Lao border, they said, oh, you, you have the e-visa, right? What about the e-visa? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do the e-visa, did you? No, I went to the embassy and got the visa. It was all about my motorbike. They wouldn't let my motorbike in. Oh, okay. And at Lao border, they were telling, oh, we wouldn't let you ride the bridge. Why? Oh, you have to carry your motorbike on a truck. <laughs> That sounds like a very last <laughs> On a truck. Yeah. <laughs> and then cross the bridge. I said, listen to me. I am traveling all over the world with my motorbike. Yeah. And I can only go on my motorbike. If you want me to push it on the bridge, I can push it. Yeah. But no way I can put it on the truck. No, I can't do it. No. Nope. And then they called the uh, boss, the big boss of the immigration. He came out 
uh, and then he looked at me, looked at the luggage, he looked at everything and, okay, let this guy go. Yeah, <laughs> stop bugging <laughs> this guy, just let him go. And yeah. when I went to the gate, the gatekeeper wouldn't open the gate because no way in all this time they wouldn't let any motorbike cross the bridge. They said, no, who said, oh, the boss. The big guy. The, the big guy, yeah, he, the big guy, he said, oh, I want a confirmation. He's calling back and confirming and everything, and then, ah, okay, you can go. <laughs> well, thank you, Godard, for, yeah. for the stories, for everything. <laughs> this has been a really fun time. And yeah. check out his books. Uh, I'll definitely link your books to the show notes so everyone yeah. listening out there. Yeah. Check out the two published books. You got a third on the yeah. way about tattoos around the world yeah. and capturing stories just like this one. Yeah. So thank you, sir. For coming on the show, yeah, thank you, thank you so much for you know interviewing me. So it was it was fun talking to yeah, you. Yeah, it's fun. It's always good time, <laughs> for sure. So coming from Sydney, Australia, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Oyster World Radio, and thanks again, Kadarnis, for coming on the show. You know you have a place to stay in North America when you finally get there. Keep up to date on everything going on in the big sabbatical on Instagram at Nathan.Wanderers and the blog of my partner in crime, Jackie Gishbacher at Gish. That's G-I-S-H out of water.com. Check out the links in the show description for more information. Special thanks to Charlie Milken for all of the oyster jams. Check him out on Spotify or at charliemilliken.com. That's M-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. Don't forget to support the show on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N at patreon.com forward slash Oyster World Radio. For only $5 a month, you get all of the behind the scenes, plus some unique travel tips, so don't miss out. Thanks again for tuning in to Oyster World Radio. We will be back in two weeks, but until then, this is Nathan Lieberman signing off. I can't take control of my life If I'm too busy looking at the stars And thinking about all time that's gone by It's time for a change of my day-to-day scene Time to turn around from that clock Face the mirror and change